This is the Bag Check Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode five of Bag Check Podcast, the first of 2018. Hope that everybody enjoyed their Christmas, had a happy new year, and ready to start the new year off right. So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about credit, and we're going to get right into it. So what's up, y'all? How y'all doing today? Good. Good. Doing good. 2018 is here, man. Everybody had a good Christmas, good New Year? Yeah, it was straight. Yeah. Same, can't complain. All right, so before we talk about credit, just going to talk about this article that I saw. And it was by Black. I found it on Black Enterprise. And they said, does $1 million make you wealthy in 2017? Well, 2018 now. So what do you think about that? No. Definitely not. No? Uh Uh-uh. Wealthy? No. It's a no for me, too, but what what is your reasoning for that? For me, personally, I feel like wealth implies... It implies that there's time. Mm Mm-hmm. There's... It doesn't necessarily have to be generational. Right. But I just don't feel like a million dollars makes you wealthy. Like, what you can do with a million dollars in this area, I wouldn't consider that wealthy. Yeah. How about you, Dylan? Same. I, I agree with Kelsey on that. And um, I think that I would, I would like, a million is not even, like, a multi-millionaire. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's just one mil. Like, you can't even really do that much with it, specifically in this area, like Kelsey is saying. So. Yeah. It's the same for me. I don't think it's wealthy because... I mean, we see it all the time with professional athletes. You know, they get they get multi million dollar contracts, and then the first thing you're gonna do is buy a house for your mom. You're gonna buy a nice car. Then you got other family members. You're gonna spend on them too. And then, if your career only lasts a few years, then you're out of money. So, just one million dollars, I wouldn't say that's wealthy at all. I will say, if it's just one million dollars cash, I wouldn't say that's wealthy. But if it's one million dollars and it's tied up into other things like, like assets. Yeah, like mm-hmm. so say you have you have four hundred thousand dollars cash but then you have three hundred thousand dollars tied up invested in the company, another two hundred in the property, and then uh, another hundred in crypto, you know what I'm saying? I would kinda say that's wealthy because there's more room for growth. But if it's just cash, no, nah, that could be gone tomorrow. Like you could buy a nine hundred dollars nine hundred thousand dollar home. And then you're going to have $100K, $100K left, then you're going to need a job in a month. Because that $1 million in cash isn't growing. Not that it's not growing, but it's just like you can spend it and it'll be gone tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? If you have these holdings and other things, yeah, it may be worth X amount right now, but it could be it could double in a year. You know what I'm saying? But would your opinion change if you lived in a low cost of living area? So say you lived in like Utah or North nah. Dakota, would you consider that wealthy? Nah, I wouldn't say that's wealthy either because then you could buy like the top class Ferrari and that would be four hundred K and then that's half your money gone. You know? Mm. I mean it's it's all relative, but I would still I still wouldn't say that's wealthy. I would just say you're rich. Yeah. And it also depends on your expenses. Yeah. Like, how do you live? Yeah. So, like, what did y'all say was the difference between, like, being rich and wealthy? I would say, for, well, me personally, I would just say rich is just, rich is in the moment. Mm. So, you have a lot of money in this moment. But 
if this if the if the path of your money is just going to be going to expenditures Mm-hmm. Then I wouldn't say you're wealthy, but if you have a good if you have a good amount of money, and then you have other money tied up in things that could grow, I would say that you're wealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Like for me, I think of rich as what is your income right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So, for example, how much does your business or your job pay you every year? How much do you get out of that? But when I think about wealth, it's more like what do I own? What's in my name? Mm-hmm. So, like the material things. Yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah, rich, rich is just like it's way more relative than wealth. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because to somebody that makes thirty uh, k a year, somebody making a hundred k a year, that that might be rich to them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. At this, but if it's just income, like neither neither of that is wealthy. Gotcha. Hmm. So do you feel like going off of that? So say you get a new job. So say you were making thirty five thousand. You get mm-hmm. a new job. Now you're making eighty, for example. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like once you make eighty, that will no longer be rich to you? So now rich will be one fifty. Or do you feel like it just for keeps? me? No, but to somebody that is making thirty and they've been making thirty for like however long, and then they all of a sudden they're making eighty, which is more than double of what they were making. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they would feel rich. Mm-hmm. I feel like wealthy people don't even have these type of conversations, to be honest. Like, what, <laughs> like they what don't is even, rich? What is wealthy? Yeah, like, I, yeah, I feel like if I feel like if you're wealthy, then like you don't really need to talk about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. You're not going to... Well, some people do. And they'll be like, oh, I got this, I got this. So it's but like... like yeah, but like if you're making a good amount of money and you have money tied up in all these other things, like you're not really going to be talking about it like that. The most... Most of the time, people that talk about their money is just because they're just rich. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think about like people who've been wealthy for generations. Yeah. It's like... I know that, that they're aware money. that they're wealthy, yeah. but it, it doesn't come up. As yeah. It's just... It is... That's what it is. Right. I mean, it's a lifestyle, but then at the same time, you can see somebody like Diddy who has all these holdings <laughs> and stuff. And even though he has like all the cars and clothes and all that, but he's rich though. Cause nah, he, he's he didn't come from uh, money though, did he? No. Nah, but he's still wealthy though because you know he has holdings and so. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. And then uh, got his own. He got multiple businesses and stuff. That's true. That's true. But and he still likes to brag. Yeah, he does. His wealth. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a like it's a select few, but for the most part, when people are always talk about money, I think it's like rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rich. definitely. But so let's get into this credit talk. All right, the topic of the day: credit. So before we get into credit. How it works, we're going to talk about the importance of it and what it's needed for. So when you're making a major purchase, such as a car or a house, you're not going to be able to pay this off just cash, like going to Best Buy and buying a TV. You're going to need a loan. And what will affect your loan is credit. Another thing that you need credit for is if you're trying to start a business and taking out a loan for that, too. So if you have bad credit, you will be seen as more risky and then the lenders will try to give you higher interest rates. So it's in your best interest to have good credit, a good credit score, and so you can get lower interest rates. All right, and so now I'm going to talk about the credit score. And this is like one of the most important things when it comes to credit. Uh, so FICO. FICO credit score is basically uh, a measurement that lenders will use to based how risky you are as a borrower. 
So according to Capital One, a credit score from 300 to 620 is below average. 621 to 700 is average. 701 to 760 is good. And then 761 to 850, which is the absolute maximum credit score is excellent. High standards. High standards, right? <laughs> so what as far as what affects your credit score, it's a handful of things. So I'll just run them down. First is on-time payment. So of course you don't want to have late payments. That is like the number one uh, factor that will affect your score. And then they also want to see history of accounts. So um, they want to see that you have old accounts that have been open for, say, five, six, seven years. Right. They want to see that because that's your history mm-hmm. that shows that you're able to pay on time consistently. And then the next thing is utilization. So how much of your credit line are you currently using? So say, for example, you have a credit line of $1,000. That's so, your, your max. Right? Yeah, 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 that's your max. So they want to see that you're not using that entire $1,000. Every month. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to look at how many inquiries have you had. So how many people have um, either looked at your credit report, which would be like considered a soft inquiry. So say, for example, you're applying for a job and, you know, we've all gone through the background check process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you give them the, your permission, run the background check. And they're pretty much just seeing, you know, what, what is your credit history? Like, they say, how risky are you? Because mm-hmm. that might translate into you as an employee as well. So soft inquiries such as this won't affect your credit score. But hard inquiries are usually from a financial institution or some type of lender. And they're actually checking your credit before deciding whether or not to lend you money. So this comes in like mortgage loans for a home student loans, auto loans, uh, credit card applications, and uh, these hard inquiries do affect your credit score. And usually it's only a few points. And um, if, for example, say you went to multiple banks for an auto loan for a car, then say you went to four different banks to get what your interest rate would be. Those four, they may show up on your credit report initially after you first um, put in that inquiry, but it'll fall off. So that it doesn't affect your credit score long term. Since those are hard inquiries, they fall off after a few months. And what was that you mentioned earlier? Like if you file bankruptcy, you said it only appears on your report for seven years? Yeah, so so you have your credit score, but there's also your credit report. Mm-hmm. And your credit report, we're all entitled to get a free one every year. And your credit report shows a history of all your accounts that are open, uh, past and present. And, for example, some people will file bankruptcy to not pay off debt. So, say, for example, you have a business, Mm -hmm. it didn't go as planned, Mm -hmm. now you're in debt hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you you, you might have the money, you might not, but either way, you don't want to pay it. Mm -hmm. So, you just file for bankruptcy, you know, stay low for a couple of years. (laughs) You won't be able to do much, but that's an option. And it's an option a lot of wealthy people use. So, Hmm. So, that that inquiries... uh, thing that you were referring to so you're saying that when it's a hard inquiry it will affect your credit score like in other words it will like take a hit towards your credit like it'll it'll decrease your credit score yeah correct so like how does that how does that play out when you are 
you know, like going for like or applying for like a house loan mm-hmm. or something like that. You mean as far as going to different lenders to right. see? Yeah, so they'll all show up initially, all of those inquiries, because they do need to assess mm-hmm. your credit history to get that interest rate. But after a couple months, usually before that six-month period, it'll fall off. Mm-hmm. So like, just because they were inquiries, you didn't necessarily go through with that lender or that financial institution. Mm-hmm. The credit bureaus, they recognize that. They know that, oh, this person is probably about to buy a home, and okay. they ended up going with this lender. So then the rest of those reports, those hard inquiries, they'll fall off. So you'll see your credit score go back up. Okay. And that touches on what the next thing that affects your score is. The next factor is how many new accounts are you opening in a time period? So that's why a lot, um, a lot of times they'll say don't open, say, three new credit card accounts in a month. Mm. Because now you're looked at as what are you up to? Like, what are you doing, basically? Hmm. So, so a lot of people plan their larger purchases out throughout the year. Say, for example, you, you won't buy a home and a car in the same week. Right. Just because <laughs> just because that may, you know, affect your credit score for a couple months or years, depending on the purchase. And uh, the final thing is available credit. So what is your current credit line? So after they subtract, you know, how much are you using? How much do you have left? And that also affects your credit score. And this is where that 30, 30% rule comes yeah. in. Yeah, that's like a best practice. They say to use no more than 30% of your available credit line as a best practice. So if your uh, credit line is 1000 then you shouldn't be using more than 300 Exactly. What do y'all think about that, 30%? Yeah, I think, I think, it's, I think it's being very cautious, but at the same time, it, it's a good way to keep yourself in check. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it'll, it'll probably be times where you can't avoid it, but if you can, like if you just buy five guys and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying, don't. I don't think you need to be going over three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that um like that that practice or like that best practice before in the past and the way how I read it, it was always to my understanding that as long as you like when your bill is due at the end of the month, when your credit card bill is due at the end of the month, like you want to have like a balance. So you wanna pay it down to like that thirty percent margin or like that 30% mark right there and then as long as it's at or below that then your credit score will not be affected right yep because that's considered like an on-time payment so that's what you guys are saying yeah 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 yeah. I'm not saying don't spend only $300 just (laughs) just make sure your balance is under okay Mm -hmm. alright so um, if you've ever applied for like a loan or a mortgage or uh, like a car loan, or you've even opened up a credit card account, you've probably heard of uh, these terms revolving or installment credit. So revolving credit is like a normal credit card account. Like that's what we use on like a daily basis. You borrow and pay on a regular basis and everything. Whereas an installment uh, credit account it's like fixed monthly payments. So these are like your student loans, your mortgages, and your car loans, etc. And um, you know you pay like a certain amount of money each month, and you know like how how long you're going to pay it for and everything. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to get into the next topic, 
what to look out for when getting a new credit card. So the first thing is the interest rate. So disclaimer, if it's your first credit card, then you should probably expect a high interest rate mm. just because you have no credit, you have nothing to base your past history off of. So your interest rate will tend to be a bit higher with your first credit card. However, along the line, you want to pay attention to the interest rate. Um, there are some uh, specific cards that come with low interest rates, like uh, for example, I have a Capital One card, which is good for a first card. The interest rate is less than 20%, which isn't bad for a first credit card, and it's not a secure card also. So um, interest rate is very important. You want your interest rate to be as low as possible, especially if you know that you plan on keeping a balance each month, just because that interest will add up over time for each purchase. And the next thing is more of a perk. So rewards so there are two traditional rewards types and that is cash back and points so with cash back you literally you will get a percentage of all your purchases back at a specific percentage so say for example you have one percent cash back for every purchase you get one percent of what you spend back and they they keep usually keep it in your account and you can withdraw it in the form of either um cash or gift cards so that's just a nice benefit but there are also points so with points those are traditionally with like uh, airlines or hotel groups mm. and i look at it as like a free future vacation basically mm. how so, long does it usually like take for this to build up though that's the thing it depends on your spending habits mm. so if you don't spend a lot every month then it'll probably take a few years right. but if you spend thousands of dollars every month just mm. as your daily expenses and it'll add up really quickly and do these points expire after the year is over or usually no so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. i've seen the most companies roll them over okay. just because that's like you spent the money and now you're losing it every year do you have so, any rewards on your card i have cash back on my current okay. card so cash back too. yeah so i'm actually looking for a points card at the moment okay that's what i plan on doing soon just because I would prefer to have to know that I have a free vacation coming up as right. opposed to this is cashback that I can get a gift card with, for example. Right. <laughs> Does so, your uh, credit card have the like the the little functionality where it'll like provide you with certain companies that will give you like five percent cash back, um, like throughout deals. So like let's say if you go to Chick Fil A and spend like twenty dollars or so. It'll give you like five percent cash back if yeah, you select it. Yeah, I've seen that, but mine doesn't. It's just like a flat one percent. Really? But I've seen like how every quarter they switch it. So, mm-hmm. like for example, you'll get three percent for these three months at restaurants or yeah. on gas. So that sounds nice. Is that what you have? Yeah, that's what I have. I got um Bank of America. So like they do something like that, and they also have the um like the three percent mm-hmm. gas, the two percent groceries, and all of that stuff. Yeah, so moneyunder30.com posted an article for um, the best credit cards for young people just starting off, you know, getting new credit cards. And they said for cash back, the best cards are the Discover It Cashback Match, the Chase Freedom, 
and the Wells Fargo Cash Wise. For travel rewards, they recommend the Capital One Venture Rewards or the Bank of America Travel Rewards. And for no annual fee, that's another thing that's important. Yeah, Some cards have that. annual fees. Mm. So I know like American Express, for example, mm. has like a, the platinum card, I think is three ninety five every year. An annual fee? Yeah, it's an annual fee. Three dollars or three hundred? Three hundred. Uh, oh, yeah. wow. And um, another one that's popular is the Chase Sapphire that has like a hundred dollars every year. Mm. But you have to have so, good credit for those types yeah, of cards, right? Yeah, you do. Definitely. They're definitely looking for like the good, excellent credit level. So pay attention to annual fees as well, especially if you don't spend a lot of money mm. on a mm. monthly basis. Then yeah, it might not be it, worth it. Might it might not exactly the rewards might not be worth that annual fee. So pay attention to your interest rate, annual fee, and also decide if you want cash back or points as far as rewards. All right, we'll be posting that link in the description. So if you're interested in that, you can check that out. And we're going to get into the next topic, which is some misconceptions about credit cards. So what are some misconceptions that you guys have heard about credit cards? So one that I was told when I first got my card is that I had to keep a balance every month. In order mm. to build my credit, <laughs> which I later found out was not true, but it seems to be a common misconception on Google. Um, oh, somebody you found this on Google or somebody? Somebody told, told me, oh. and I like just took it as like word is bomb right. for like the longest time, <laughs> and then I right. finally I was like, hold up, this doesn't even make sense. Like I feel like that defeats the mm. purpose. And you don't want to pay this interest yeah, every month. You don't yeah. want to do that because that interest rate is just going to build up. Exactly. So I researched it, and it's not true at all. Right. Yeah. So I think the biggest mistake a lot of people tend to make is uh, paying the minimum amount only per month. Like that's a huge mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I mean that kind of that kind of goes yeah. hand in hand with what Kelsey just said. You know. I would just say always pay more than a minimum if you can. But me personally, I pay off the entire balance just yeah. so I don't have to worry about right. it. Because you just going to be dealing with interest at that point. Yeah. Like I look at, I made the mistake of looking at, which is another misconception, is a credit card is free money. Right. So I already made the mistake of treating my credit card like a debit card, basically. Mm-hmm. So even though, say for example, I wouldn't necessarily have the money, it's like, it's, it's free money, like. I'll pay it mm-hmm. off later. But that adds up after a couple of months. So I no longer do that. I just pay it off every month. I only spend what I have in my debit account. And that that's helps. A, yeah, that helps as far strategy. as budgeting, too. And another thing, um, another misconception is a lot of people, they say that they pay as they go. So say, for example, you make a purchase on Monday. They'll pay mm-hmm. it off on Wednesday, which means every time they get a bill, it's always a zero balance. Since they're paying off every purchase before this cycle is over, they never have a balance. Okay. So that is one way that you will not build your credit. Just because there will be nothing on your history report to right. show since you're paying everything off as it posts, basically. As yeah. it posts to your account. So they were saying, like, when the, like let, let your purchases add up over the cycle and then pay it off. At as opposed, end, Yeah, at the, the end, end of the cycle. cycle when you get your bill. As opposed to paying it. Before the bill even comes out, because your bill would just be a zero dollar balance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I I didn't know that. Yeah, it was interesting. 
I've never been in that position to be able to pay something off within a couple of days. So I guess I just never had to worry about something like that. Do you use your for, yours for larger purchases or more like just daily, every day? I use it for like daily things. So like the 3% that I get on gas, like I'll just use my credit card to, you know, fill up my tank with the gas and everything. And then I'll just wait to the end of the month to pay it up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all we have for the misconceptions. And we have a app of the day for you. And we're about to get into that. So the app of today is Mint by Intuit Incorporation. And um, basically this app gives you a really good like interface and breakdown of your spending, uh, your like your your budgets and just basically like your whole breakdown as to your finances. And um, it'll even break down like uh, the different transactions that you make on a daily basis by linking it to your bank accounts. Uh, it'll even bring up like your, your bills that are due every month. So it gives you like really cool and useful graphs uh, to like show um, just basically your spending and income and everything. So I like it. Uh, I just started using it like about a month or so ago. Kelsey, you've been using it for like longer than that, right? Yeah, I've been using it for like Maybe two or three months now. That's and it also tracks your investment accounts, which oh, yeah, is useful as well. That is true. So I use it for budgeting. I use it for keeping track of all my investment accounts without having to log into each one individually. Right. I track my spending every month. It's um, a centralized like location the, for all of your finances. Does it automatically like you connect your card and automatically tracks your payments? It automatically yeah. like does it categorize them too? Or yes, sir. You can do that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like here's my gas and fuel, my restaurant, the amount of money yeah. I spend on restaurants, fast food, clothing, etc. Okay. See, I was about to use this uh, joint where you had to manually, but now I'm like just use Mint. Yeah, man. Oh, and then it even um provide suggestions like based off of your credit score like what like what credit card would be best for you like based off of your credit score like if it's excellent or if it's average or Mm -hmm. if it's you know below average if you may have to like open up another account or so yeah you can also put your bills in there so if you have uh, recurring bills every month you can add those just to give you a picture of how much am i going to spend this month by default so how mm-hmm. much cash will I have left over? So it's a really good tool. You use the the online dashboards. I use the online and I also use the the mobile app too. Okay, yeah. That's very um good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just at. use the mobile app. I've never used the online. The online is pretty lit. I like that interface. It's the clean. interface is so clean. So you can even set goals for yourself too, which I thought it was cool. Like what? So, like, if you want to set a goal for, you know, determining when you are projected to, like, save up for a house, Mm. let's say, and you can contribute to it, kind of like with capital, you know, that app that we uh, did on one show. Right. So, it was pretty cool to find that out. So, Mint is a great all-purpose tool. You can track your spending your investments, your bills, goals, everything. So definitely check that out. 
Yeah, we'll be posting about it. We'll link some resources to it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope that it's a good boost and good information to start off your new year. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Bagcheck Podcast. You can email us, bagcheckpodcast at gmail.com. And that's it. We're out. <laughs>